the LPR 1138 Project with Lorenzo Rubio starts now. All right, and welcome back to the LPR 1138 Project. Today's guest is someone I met a few years ago in Farmington, New Mexico. Torrance, it's good to have you on the line. How have you been, brother? I'm good, man. I'm really good. I'm glad to be talking with you. It's been a minute since I've heard your voice. Yeah, it's been what, um, 2018? Somewhere around there? Yeah. Yeah, two, three years. Yeah, and that was back when we were uh, over there in Farmington, New Mexico, working at that retail organic natural food store down there, which uh, we shall leave nameless. It's funny that uh, we're talking about that. I'm part of their uh, class action lawsuit. I I don't know if you're familiar with what's going on with that. Oh, did you get on that? Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's kind of unique because I didn't fall under the actual quote-unquote class action lawsuit, but mine is through arbitration, which is going through a a lot quicker and the um, law firm that's handling everything for us um, has been getting back to us is like all right it's officially down to the wire they're starting to pump out money to argue this so they'll either pay us out or spend a shitload of money so wow you know if things happen i might have a couple extra dollars in my pocket buy some new uh gear for my podcast if not there you go i'm exactly where i'm at right here so no harm no foul basically saying what you know uh, the health food store was doing incorrectly well dude i mean you you and i both experienced it i mean when i moved out there to farmington as the uh, gm of that that place i was pumping out close to you know 60 to 65 hours a week especially when (laughs) especially when they moved me out there just to fire everybody (laughs) how'd you like that shit (laughs) I totally remember that new guy comes into the building and is just whacking people left and right. It wasn't my doing that. uh, The director of operations, right? Director of operations, like, all right, here's your first task. They got to go. They got to go. They got to go fix it. And well, anyway, I'm still, I'm still a little bit butthurt that uh, you didn't take uh, the assistant manager position, but in a way it worked out great because I was able to bring out uh, Jason from you know, North Dakota down there. So either way, no harm, no foul. So oh, totally, man. It just, you know, it, it set the groundwork for me to be able to take over the store when, when the time was right for me to do so. You know, it, it allowed me to learn the systems a little bit more. So it wasn't like what, you know, the store does normally where it just sets you up for failure. Dude, I wouldn't have set you up for failure, man. No, you wouldn't have, but old old poppers up in Denver was <laughs> well dude that's when you gotta set up your own course and you know what I was always told and this is from a good person that used to work for the company is like ask for forgiveness don't ask for permission because if you totally. ask for permission they'll always say no and make sure you have an exit button exactly yeah and when you were down there you had a tiny home i remember seeing stuff on tv like people are like downsizing to the bare necessities cutting the yep. landlines and all that stuff why did you and your wife do that so uh our tiny house adventure actually started in South Carolina where we lived over there, you know, and we were young. Um, I had a really good corporate job over there. Um, I was with a home medical company. I was director of operations. Um, and I did that for like seven years. So I was 
I was in the company very deep. And we, you know, we're living the American dream and we wanted to build a house there. So we built this big old three bedroom, two bath, just too much space. You know, it was me, her, and two dogs. And we weren't mm-hmm. planning on having any youngins on down the road. So we're filling this space. And then, well, you, so you have this huge house and you've got to fill it. So you got to buy all this crap to put in there, you know, and then eventually that crap gets outdated. So you got to buy new crap to update it, mm-hmm. you know, and we ended up going to a tiny house festival that they had in Edington, Georgia. And I don't remember how we got onto wanting to go to this festival. It was just something that I think was going on in the area and we were just like, no, let's just go shoot up there and check it out. So we went up there and it was, uh, it was basically like the builders of companies of tiny homes were there and you were going to tour the tiny houses and see where they hid all of their like storage and, you know, because living in a tiny house. So back up a little bit, our tiny house was on a 20 foot trailer. Um, it was 13, tall and eight and a half feet wide to the exterior which is street legal to where we can pull it down the road yeah um and uh so with that square footage we were actually only living in 161 square feet i'm sorry repeat that again 100 and what (laughs) 161 square feet dude that's like the size of my living room (laughs) okay so oh my god dude about it was when we were when we were trying to figure out like what our square footage was going to be like in our big home we had like a main foyer that led into the great room well we could literally tape out the square footage of our tiny house in that foyer you know it was just like yeah so so if you include the loft which is open space it was 220 square feet and now this is for me, my wife, and our two dogs are going to be living in this nice house. Um, you know, but going back to the big house, we, we just looked at it as it was too much space. We were paying too much money for it. You know, mortgage, power bills, insurance, taxes. You know, it was just, it was just piling on. And we wanted... We wanted something a little bit simpler. You know, I put in, I put in a lot of years with all care. Um, it was getting bought out by a different company. The writing was kind of on the wall. I got picked up by the other company, but I just felt like it was a breaking point at that. You know, it was, yeah. it was time to cut, time to cut ties. So we went to the festival, just absolutely fell in love with it, you know, and we decided that, you know, because it was, this was, Man, this was back in 2016, so it was like right at the height of the tiny house craze. So things were still a little cheaper than they are now. Um, so if we were to have a company built for us, it would have been like, oh, man, 80, 90 grand for the 161 square feet. So we were like, you know what? Let's just throw caution to the wind and let's just try to build it ourselves you know we can we can youtube it we're, we're totally youtube graduates nice. you know we can yeah exactly so we went to youtube university and we watched binge watched videos and i have a background in um home construction before i got into uh all care so I, i've been a previous electrician i was in hvac 
Um, you know, I've been around new construction homes when I was an electrician. We did pre-wiring. So a lot of it was familiar to me. Um, however, this is a house that's on a trailer, a house that's being dragged down the road. That brings a question up. Do you have to build it a certain way in order to be able to pull it 80 miles an hour down the road? Okay. So I mean, that because... My shout out back got blown away by 60 mile an hour wind, man, just the other day. So, right, right. So, that was something that was like a big question to me. So, we actually found this company in Florida um, that would build the shell for us. So, they had a company that would build the custom trailer that was meant for the tiny house, and then they would do the framing all the exterior work, you know, and then we would complete everything else. So we would do the siding, you know, we would do the roof, the windows, all of the interior, because what a lot of people don't take into consideration is when you're driving down the road at 75 miles an hour, that is a tropical storm force wind. Yes. Or tornado wind. Yeah. Or tornado wind. Exactly. So when you're pulling a tank down the road, you know, you're just, but that thing doesn't come shifting off of the back. Well, you have to use hurricane strapping. So hurricane strapping um, is something that is just an absolute must. They had, so you have your steel plate at the top and that's what your joists sit on on your roof line. Mm -hmm. Well, they had a rebar running down the wall and then it was welded into the trailer. And then they wrenched it down from the top of that, basically sandwiching it onto the trailer. You know, and then everything was like, everything had, you know, OS glue on it and all that fun jazz. So it was really, really important to have somebody that knew what the heck they were doing put it on the trailer. I've heard of horror stories where people did it 100% themselves and that bad boy just came sliding right off of there as they're going down the highway. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially it's after pump it in, 30 grand, 50 grand. Forget that. Right, <laughs> right. exactly. So, you know, we, we decided that we wanted to go that route. It was a lot cheaper. Um, we ended up probably only being like barely north of 50 grand into it. And it's something that we own outright. So we have a home that we can go to that could be easily powered off of solar because that's what we did in New Mexico. In the event that, you know, things go south, who knows where the economy is going, we can just load that thing up to the truck and pull it wherever we need it. Like RV you know, fifth wheel. So, yeah, you know, fifth wheels were cool. I mean, you know, we, we had some friends that did the RVing thing. You know, it was just tiny houses were kind of the fad at the time. Okay. You know, and, and it was it was really unique because it, it, it has cedar siding on it. It has actual roof shingles it makes it feel more like a home than camping yeah because i tried doing the whole uh rv camper thing when i was in midland texas because like you said earlier and exactly uh, being able to have just the bare necessities i went down to eight pairs of jeans down to like three pair of jeans for an example and stuff like that and it just made things a lot easier but now that i'm back in oklahoma got the house i got stupid (laughs) dude i have a rocking chair right here that yeah it's awesome 
I've I've would have never owned a rocking chair, and now I do just because I got the room for it. Yeah. Well, you know, we're not we're not living in the little house right now. We've got an apartment. You know, when we when we transferred from Farmington up here to work for the the healthcare store, so we 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 still have the tiny house in in Farmington. You know, we were actually planning on building a house up here until the. It's interesting to see the way our economy is being hit by what's going on, and of intellect that I have, I'm like, well, that's not really the yeah. way it's going. Let people get to work. Don't give people free money. Let them get to work because. If you work, you're stimulating an economy that way because there's a reason right. why money is called currency. It's meant to go around. <laughs> <laughs> and if people aren't going to work, they aren't getting paid. They're not using that money to get to work, to buy the groceries, so on and so forth. But hey, what do I right. know? I'm just some Yahoo that lives in Midwest City, Oklahoma with a couple of dogs and too much time on my hands. No, man, you're <laughs> absolutely right. It's, it's conditioning the new generation to you know, be okay with a handout, you know, and we don't we don't have those hard workers anymore. There's just no work ethic, you know, and it's sad. Yes, yes. And that that's changing the. Um, the common human trait into something else. It used to be that the most common human trait was fear. Now it's becoming laziness. And dude, I'm just glad I'm still able to go to work. And even with all the stuff that's going on and do my thing where I work at. So going from the tiny home to downsizing and stuff, you are living in Colorado now. Uh, So the spring, Colorado spring. Nice. Nice. I, uh, yeah. I've been up there a few times. I did that uh, hiking trail. What's it called? Garden of the Gods or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the tourist trail. And, you got to get up into the mountain. And shout out to the U.S. Olympic Training Center there, too. Right. Yeah. Right <laughs> in the center of the spring. So. It's nice, man. It's, it's a different world. Um, we're a little bit further up on the mountain. Okay. Um, actually actually near more like woodland park area and i love it absolutely love it i mean we're we're right in the shadow of pike peak um there's just hiking and biking uh, recently i wouldn't say recently the, the our pup is a, a year now but trip we picked him up in uh april of this last year so being able to take him out hiking and just backpacking has just been absolutely amazing and this is the area to totally do that nice and and what kind of dog is that a blue tick uh he's a red healer oh red healer. So he's a australian cattle dog dude for uh, some reason i thought you had a hound dog man really yeah <laughs> why i don't know why i thought you had like a hound dog i don't know yeah yeah he's a red healer they have two variations they have the blue and the red and, and i ended up picking out the red are you doing any shooting up there oh yeah man there's this great outdoor range that's not too far from us i mean granted when, when ammo prices are a little more reasonable than a dollar fifty around you know but yeah there's this great outdoor range that just, you're shooting against the mountain backdrop it's private land but it's open to the public you can just go out there and set up your targets and just blast away and just as long as you clean up your mess right exactly they've got trash can areas set up and then a dumpster right at the front of the road where you can bring and drop your trash. Yeah, it's a really nice place. So it's a uh, sounds like it's a lot better than that uh, place in Farmington that we went to that a couple of times right there. Oh, yeah, 
when the bicyclist came up over the backside of where we were shooting. No shit. Like, what the hell? You know this is the shooting area. How could you not hear it? I mean, it was like World War Three. We were unleashing hell back there. And the look on their face, like, oh, shit. <laughs> Trying to pedal away. It's like, oh, man, don't worry. We're not assholes. We'll stop. Yeah, right. But you should be on the trail behind us, not yeah. making your own trail over here. Well, not only that, but you're out in the middle of nowhere in the desert. What are you doing bicycling out here? Hey, let's go towards the gunfire. Yeah. Dude, but but seriously, though, where we were at, I mean, there was what? Somebody dropped a washing machine out there. There was yeah, washing machine, <laughs> old refrigerator, the kitchen appliances. Hey, let's shoot this. If like, it wasn't for, if anywhere else, you would think that place was a little bit different, but uh, it, right. it was what it was. Yeah. Farmington was interesting, man. I mean, I'm, I'm very thankful to be up here more in the mountains, you know, and even though that we're at higher elevation, I mean, we're at, we're at about 8,500 feet. Um, we still got the pines that are growing up here and those are just evergreen. So they're just green all year round. Farmington was just the desert. It was just barren desert. Yeah. I mean, you could drive an hour north to get up to Durango, Colorado, but sure. Farmington had its own unique persona. I mean, I joke yeah, around, yeah. I joke around a lot and make fun of like UFO alien stuff, lizard people. But when I start talking to some people down there and they're truly, truly believing it, <laughs> I'm, I got to get back to work now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, okay, the, you're going on the watch list. Right. And I'm joking, but you guys, you guys make yeah. me, man. It was, man. It was a completely different world, you know, being, being near the, the reservation and, and, you know, interacting with the, the Navajo tribe and, you know, it was, it was definitely interesting. It was, it was an eye opener to, you know, a completely different world that goes on in, in the reservation. Yeah. And I never thought I would say this, but there are unfortunately limited opportunities for people up there that totally. because of the area and yeah. there's no wanting to develop anything up there either because it's, you know, it's tribal land. But that's right. that's stuff that I don't know about, so I really can't go into detail about that. It's just things that I've heard. Yeah. So when you moved up to Colorado, uh, you told me that uh, you were doing some uh, things with stocks. Um, yeah, so uh, I originally moved up to Colorado to uh, transfer with the health food store. Um, so that, that that's what brought us up here. Um, but... You know, my wife was in the healthcare field and, you know, during, and this was during the height of COVID. This was back when we just had the original strand, mm -hmm. you know, and the bad one, the actual one that, that made a difference. So she was working at an ambulatory center, which was uh, mostly elective surgeries like plastics and stuff like that. Okay. So when COVID hit, she got furloughed. You know, because they had to shut down anything that was non-essential. So elective surgeries are classified as non-essential. So when she was furloughed, she was at home for a few months and, you know, got back on that YouTube university and she was just kind of dick tinkering around on it, found these things where it was like, uh, so Ross Cameron was one of the guys that we were following and he kind of gives a, a, 
tutorial on day trading for beginners and he still does it. He does live, live broadcasts every morning, um, you know, Monday through Friday when the, when the stock market's open and she got into it and was really good at it, man. I mean, like right out of the gate, she was doing extremely, extremely well, but it was still to where we, you know, needed to have some income coming in, even though that we were downsized, you know, we had the newer truck. So we were still paying that off. So I continued to work, you know, and then I had an opportunity to transfer up to here and work for the health food store. And she continued to day trade and was just crushing it. I mean, she was learning new strategies and, you know, I mean, the, and it's not just something where it's like, you know, plug and play. You have to put so much homework into, you know, doing chart analysis and reading, uh, earnings releases and you know seeing what's trending at that time yeah you would almost have to like predict a trend yeah you're looking at chart patterns you know and you can go out to like 300 day charts and just seeing that and a lot of companies would follow the same pattern you know and if, if you could predict it and 50 60 percent of the time that you're right you know that's good you know if you can if you can cover the spread so she was doing really good at it. Now, uh, the health food store was kind of going down the, the crapper because, you know, COVID was really ramping up and just it was becoming very abusive for, you know, people calling out for the sniffles or the cough or something like that, you know, because everybody was just so afraid of, of and I understand where the company was coming from. They were really worried that there was just going to be like a mass exodus if everybody in the store got sick all at once. We got to the point where I was trading, you know, part-time with her and I was getting good at it. And we were like, you know what, to hell with it. Let's just kind of pull the trigger and we'll both go trade. You know, so we started out doing day trading. Um, that was a lot of fun, you know, just going in, trading for the day, watching uh, uh, Meet Kevin was another one, Trader TV, all these guys are doing morning recaps of what, you know, happened the day before and what's trending and stuff like that. So it kind of gave us a little bit of an edge on what companies we wanted to look for. Mm -hmm. And if you, you know, the big thing that everybody always says, follow the money, you see sectors and they call them indices, but you have like your tech sector, you have your uh, restaurant sectors and those type of things. And you see money shift from them, you know, whenever something happens, you know, so it's really just following the money and kind of just trail along with that. Um, and then we ended up developing that into doing options trading. And that has been a lot more fun for me. Nice, nice. So was there a particular area that you were looking at when you were day trading? Tech. Just tech? Tech, yeah. Tech, man. COVID, COVID made tech just go through the roof. So, you know, you have your, you have your stay-at-home stocks, which <laughs> is going to be like your Zoom, your Palantir, you know, any of the DocuSign, and then you have your recovery stuff. So that's going to be all of your like entertainment. That's going to be the shipping industry or the cruise line industry. That's going to be the airline industry. So tech was a big one. It really was. I mean, you know, they had to, they had to like reinvent a lot of things, you know, because people had to stay at home. So, you know, Peloton coming out with, 
you know, new advancements on their, their bikes, their treadmills, whatever. Because when they started shutting down gyms, I mean, I remember when COVID first hit, told us they were closing the gym. And, and I told Ashley, I'm like, man, you got to get to Target and grab whatever weights you can find. Because who knows how long we're going to have to work out at home. And she got there and there was like two kettlebells and, and one 35-pound dumbbell. Why there's only one left, I don't know. Well, you, it's now, that one-armed person doing the one-handed curls, man. <laughs> well, dude, you, honestly, no discrimination. With, with a good set of kettlebells, you could do just about everything, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I, I actually put on probably the best muscle, and I, I literally built a curl bar out of four-by-fours and some black pipe. You know, and, and, and that's what I did. I did chin-ups and pull-ups for, like, I don't know, maybe two months when they have the gyms closed. And I literally put on the best muscle of my life that time. Well, it's functional exercising instead of, you know, isolated movements. Now, totally. since you were talking about uh, the day trading, um, I was looking ah. at something from last year, last June or so, being a friend of mine, just for shits and giggles, was looking at... Uh, the Lithium Americas Corporation, basically lithium stocks in the U.S. And right. over a six-month period, it went from 1529 to 3822 as of January 14th. So It's insane, man. Dude, it, you know, there's certain sectors, like you said, and that falls under the tech sector because, right. you know, all that stuff needs batteries. Well, that follows Tesla. You know, Tesla is getting ready to do another split eventually. You know, I mean, Elon keeps hinting to it. You know, it's just it's insane how much the stock has climbed Dude. in the last like two years. What about uh, cryptocurrency? Are you doing anything with that? Uh, a little bit. Not as much as I would like to, just because things are super expensive when it goes to crypto, you know, and it's you always get stuck in those moments like I wish I would have bought crypto when it was at 30000 you know, or Bitcoin, you know, and then I wish I would have bought Bitcoin when it was at 60000 because, man, I'll tell you right now, the way that the American dollar is with inflation and stuff like that, cryptocurrency is the, is the next big thing. There is no doubt in my mind. I mean, this is literally our first global currency. Um, there was an interview with Elon Musk that he was doing, and he was talking about crypto and how beneficial it is for him and a, a extremely large company because he has offices all over the world. Well, whenever you would do a currency trade, let's say between the United States and EU, so you're trading American dollars into euros, you have to do you have to pay for a uh, an exchange rate yep. on the American dollar to Euro dollar. Well, crypto, you don't have to do that Correct. because it's a global currency. So he could move billions of dollars and it'd be just that. He doesn't have to pay fifty million dollars in exchange rates. You know, so crypto is absolutely amazing. It totally is, especially like when you look at at the way that they're coming out like Dogecoin. Dogecoin was a joke. You know, it literally was created as a joke. And yep. now you have people like Elon Musk that are pumping Dogecoin, you know, and Ethereum. So Ethereum started before the pandemic at like $88 a share. And it hit a high, and I haven't looked at Ethereum in a while, but I know it hit a high of over $4,500. Yes, it's close to five grand right Is now. It? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, I've so, been... I mean, could you imagine? Yes, yes. And I've been looking at a particular uh, 
crypto that's called XRP by Ripple. I don't know if you ever heard totally. of them, heard of them or not. Oh but, yeah, without a doubt, dude. I yep. love that stuff. And there's a current lawsuit going on with the SEC. I bought a, I got about a thousand of them, not that many, just you know, few to put yeah. aside. When and I bought them when they were like eighteen cents a coin. Right, right. And then all of a sudden, the SEC shuts them down. There, you can't buy it in the U.S. anymore. If you do, you have to go through a trade, buy it overseas. You have to trust who you're buying it from. Make sure it's legit, obviously. Don't get ripped off. And there's a lot of stuff that this um, is good for. And that's why the SEC is like trying to ban it. You know, like with Bitcoin, the transaction confirmations take minutes with high transaction costs, like you were saying. But with XRP, the transactions are confirmed in seconds and with less cost than Bitcoin. Dude, it's basically wow. a technology that's mainly known for its like digital payments and network protocol. And okay. a lot of banks across the world were starting to use it. The trend was that this was going to be the next Bitcoin. And it was ultimately going to lead just like how well Bitcoin is the replacement of the dollar. Faster speeds, low to no fees, depending on what's going on. It's a lot yep. easier for financial systems to you know grasp it, embrace it. It's a virtual currency that's blockchain, so it's not going to have the inflation like the U.S. dollar has. I mean, there's right. only, there is only a set amount that that is out there. Yeah, you can't print anymore. You can't, yeah, yeah, you, you can't, can't make, make anymore. Money. And granted, you know, people selling and buying, it might fluctuate here and there, but it's more stable than sure. this current archaic piece of paper that we currently use. So right. long story made short. All these type of things, I agree 100% that it's helping financial institutions save money. And I believe that it's going to be a more prevalent form of payment and cash flow in the future. Hate to use the oh, word cash absolutely. flow, but, you know, currency. Yeah. There we go. We'll use go back to the currency thing. I would rather spend my money on this than have it in a bank. Oh, without a doubt. Why not? Because it's going to grow. It's going to grow exponentially compared to what it would be in like a a savings account. Right. And, you know, I'll, I don't have to have it online. I could export it onto an encrypted digital wallet and keep that in my safe. Yeah. Economy goes to yeah, shit. You know, but the, exactly. But the problem is, and, you know, the government did this with Bitcoin, you know, when, when that was coming out and Dogecoin, because they, they like to blanket statement and say, well, it's not as secure. You know, there's money laundering. Like people have problems money laundering with the American dollar. They've been doing that shit for years. And that's a lot easier, too, because it's not trackable. Yeah, exactly. This has got a digital footprint on it. You know, so it's just just comical. It's the fact that they can't tax it. They can't do their regulations on it. They feel like that it's going to allow people to be too independent. And now you have to come out with these laws. And now you can't bribe politicians by handing them a briefcase full of money. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Right. Here's a, here's a thumb drive. (laughs) Yeah. Don't worry. Take all the fun out of it. Exactly. So yeah, man. Um, I've been dabbling with that a little bit. It's it's, it's interesting. Good, it's man. a good retirement, you know, because the the way that things are working out right now, Social Security is not going to be something that's going to be there. You know, people are going to have to work longer, so it's it's just it's good to have something that is is generating money for you. you well, know? dude, it really is something that's secure. Well, with the new announcements that like Facebook and other social media platforms are making, dude, you're going to need to have cryptocurrency or some form of online payment. Dude, oh, totally. You know the banks and uh, 
everything like that, they're going to eventually try to make their own to where they don't lose hold and power over the American persons or any people out there by absolutely following them. Well, there, was a, there was even there was even talk one time that Facebook was going to come out with its own coin. Dude, that would be crazy. Yeah. Oh man, so COVID, crazy shit, man. Dude, how uh, did? How how is that affecting you guys up there in Colorado? Um, I mean, is it pretty crazy? You guys are a weird state. You're not like Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay. So when when we blanket state in Colorado, I kind of feel bad for the actual like people that the good people that live in Colorado because Colorado My is bad. like well no okay so Colorado is driven because of Denver so you've got this Democratic shithole that is kind of running the state into the blue direction. Oh, kind of like Austin and Texas. Okay, gotcha. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Or Houston. You know, any one of those. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, the the COVID situation, so Teller County is where we live in. Um, And Teller County is one of the coolest places I've ever lived. It's It's more of a constitutionalist town. Um, I mean, you've got mountain people up here, and they don't like being told what to do. Nice. You know? Yeah, exactly. So Teller County actually does not allow businesses to enforce customers to wear masks indoors. Um, they don't allow businesses to enforce uh, vaccination in Teller County. However, now with the Supreme Court thing that went through, my wife being in the healthcare field, we're kind of waiting to see uh, what's going to come down from it. Right now, she does fall under the religious exemption clause in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't know how long something like that is going to stay in place. Dude, that is that is very unique. I, um, I'm i in a similar situation with Mike. It's like, okay, I'm good to go. I put in my religious exemption. And then part of me is like, dude, who the heck is going to be judging me and doubting or denying my exemption is it going to be somebody that goes to church or is it going to be some person that has other beliefs dude how dare they question my belief without even knowing me and that's that's the point where i'm at it's like they have no right to question my belief and what i believe and they haven't lived my life they don't do the things that i do two years they've been going to work and dealing with that shit every single day nobody batted an eye and now like oh we praise them and now they're in public enemy number one well now they're expendable exactly and guess what's causing now you know this and everybody knows this you're hearing about these you know staffing shortages that are happening at hospitals they're blaming it in yeah. on you know spikes on people getting sick it's like no not really maybe if you wouldn't have fired half of your workforce or furloughed them right you, this wouldn't be an issue that's you know, one part one that's not, things, that's not being said no, I, I totally agree you know and another part that's not being said or at least not being paid attention to is you know there's this huge misconception with the the capacity of a hospital you know if if a hospital is empty it's not making money a hospital can only make money if it's at almost 95 90 to 95 percent capacity you know so when they're saying that they're you know hospitals are overrun they're at 95 percent capacity that's actually a good thing that's a good thing for the for the healthcare workers 
you know, the, the bad thing was is that hospitals were giving cash incentive for having COVID patients and for putting COVID patients on ventilators. Dude, you know, and, and that brings up something people. that uh, you guys in Colorado are known for all over the United States. But, dude, they don't take into consideration the core mobilities that, you know, most of the people that come into these things have, you know, lung cancer, diabetes, you know, uh, heart COPD, disease, yep. heart disease. And, you know, they got cash incentives for just labeling them all as COVID patients. And it was sad. It was really sad. It inflated the numbers. And now you have governors coming out and saying that. Now, going back to what you said about capacity, hospitals, they have all this room, but isn't their capacity based on the staff that they have working? I'm sure that plays like, a lot. I, I thought I heard something like for every nurse, there could be like 10 patients or something like that. But if there's 10 less nurses working on a shift because they're not allowed right. to come into work, there's... They're going to be over capacity. They're going to yeah. be over capacity because there's not enough healthcare providers to, to uh, take care of the people there. So just that simple. manipulating yeah, so the facts. Is, you're right. Exactly. To get the outcome that they're looking for. You know, so this is my conspiracy theory on this. So... You know, the, the reason that the judges push through the, the federal mandate for healthcare workers is because they receive, when when you have practices, like let's say ambulatory service, when you have somebody coming in for an elective surgery, you know, a nose job can be, you know, recorded as sinus issues or a deviated septum. So Medicare and Medicaid is going to fund something like that. Well, because they're getting federal dollars means that they fall under the category of the federal mandate for healthcare workers. Dude, and that's what, so what I feel, yeah, totally is, totally is. You know, but what I feel like they're trying to do is push us into a direction of socialized medicine. So that way they can get as many federal dollars out there as they can. And this, this has a twofold. So either you're going to have places that are going to go strictly private practice, and then you're going to have these poor Medicare and Medicaid patients that's going to be like in Canada, where you have to wait five weeks for brain surgery, you know, because you're on a short list because there's only these small amount of federally funded facilities that are going to take care of you. I mean, you know more than anybody. That's how they're treated. on Dude, I was just going to bring that up. The VA to me is basically urgent care. You know, give me right. some aspirin for my headache, a put a Band-Aid on me and that. But as for serious stuff, dude, I always go to a private doctor. Because you have supplied insurance. You know, if you have somebody that is in their 60s and 70s that can't afford supplemental insurance, then all you can rely on is Medicare and Medicaid, which means that you have to go to this federal doctor. And, and you're going to get the treatment of those federal doctors. And they're going to play the long game, hoping that you die before they treat you. Dude, that's the honest to goodness truth. There's more money in it for the system if they prolong your illness, not fixing it. Right. I'm not saying that's what's happening. It just seems kind of odd that all of a sudden, okay, the vaccine now needs a booster. Oh, it looks like it needs another booster. Pretty soon it's going to... Pretty soon, I kid you not, dude, if things keep on going the way they are, hey, you're going to have to get a booster every two to three months. Oh, without a doubt, you know, and that's that's the thing is it's, it's funny with these boosters because you've got you've got the Biden administration saying, hey, just go get your shot, man. It's free. Don't worry about it. Yada, yada. At the same and time, him and Kamala were like, don't take it. Trump's building it. I yeah. want to trust it. Yeah. Now it's 
now let's make sure you get your booster. You know, I remember watching a press conference with him, and this was during hurricane season in Florida. And this man literally had the audacity to say the best thing that you can do to prepare for hurricane season is get vaccinated. Dude. <laughs> There are people that truly benefit from it. Oh, yeah. You know, the people that have a compromised immune system, the elderly, anything like that. I mean, I'm 100% for that. Me, I'm in fairly good health. I haven't got sick yet. I worked face-to-face in retail. I've been around people at my work that have gotten sick that had it. I'm lucky, I guess. I don't know. Or maybe, you know, it's the God-given immune system that I have. Who knows? Exactly. You know, But for me, you know, it's kind of like buying an iPhone. I'm not going to go with the very first model that comes out. I'm going to let you work out the software kinks first before (laughs) I get it. So guess Uh, what? I'll let you guys work out the vaccine kinks in y'all before I take it. But right now, I'm... You know, I would rather have that shot that would be wasted on me go to somebody who truly can benefit from it, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. There was, there was no vaccine mandate. But what we did is what we always do is we protect the vulnerable. We take the immune compromise and we put them inside the house for two. You know, let this thing kind of burn itself out. And we let herd immunity which has been doing its job for the last hundred centuries, you know, do what it's naturally supposed to do. And somehow the methods that things were done have gotten skewed, man. I don't know. It's like, it's like we're in bizarre world. And I, you know, I I wake up every morning, like, dude, I I'm living in groundhog day. Stuff is just too freaking weird, man. What's next? That you just wake up every morning like, what's next? You know, and so I've been I've been going down a rabbit hole. Um, you know, Glenn book Glenn Beck just wrote a new book about the Great Reset, and something that I've been like researching quite a bit because of you know the monumental shift of wealth that happened with COVID. And if you actually go to the uh, economic on their website, their campaign says that, you know, by 2030, you will own nothing and be happy. Dude. Well, (laughs) since you opened up that can of conspiracy theories, I'm going to add, I'm going to take it back to the eighties, man. We have the Georgia Guidestones that are in Georgia that has a unique thing that talks about the earth's population of humans being in perpetual balance with nature. And now we have a shift of, oh, climate change. We got to protect the environment, lower the carbon footprint. Well, what is a carbon footprint? A carbon footprint would be anything that is carbon-based, right? Yes. You and I are carbon-based. If we're going to lower the carbon footprint, that means we're going to eliminate humans off of the planet in order to save the environment. And now we have this thing going on, which, or lab leaks will happen, whatever you believe in. Who knows? (laughs) And um, allegedly, <laughs> yeah, allegedly, and uh, it's going to do its thing. Don't give it a hand by telling people to take something that hasn't been tested yet to speed it along right. or whatever. But uh, then that leads into the you know, what was it, Agenda 21? I'm going to use Trump's term warp speed into push into Agenda 2030. And there's people out there that can word it very well that make it sound very convincing. And for people that don't do their own research, if they look at that, they could buy into it and be like, oh, geez, man, that's kind of interesting but scary. And then at the same time, if you do your own research, you could make 
your own conclusion instead of being spoon fed or drip fed, you know, narratives that want to be pushed by the media and certain, you know, groups out there that want to control the outcome of certain things. Totally. You know, and that's, that's where they're conditioning people with these stimuluses, you know, the, where it's like the global basic income comes into play, you know, and, and free healthcare and all these free things, you know, and soon everybody's going to be working for Amazon. Dude, you know? that's, and, and, that's another thing that pisses me off this uh, global <laughs> basic income. Totally. Okay. So you have the healthcare worker that cannot go to work to pay their bills because they're not taking a shot because of their religious beliefs or whatever. You're denying them the right to make a living, but yet you're going to hand out monthly checks to people that aren't vaccinated and are being told to stay home that are being incentivized to stay home. It's ass backwards, dude. You should let the worker work and okay, you want the, you want these federal and state benefits for free and you be a lazy ass at home and do TikTok videos. Okay. Get vaccinated. We'll let you do it. You're our test subject. No, don't, don't punish the working. Oh man. But anyway, I digress, man. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm full of of shit, dude. (laughs) Not not at all. You know, the the thing is, is it's, it's chipping away at our freedom. You know, like there was a Jordan Peterson did a interview with Joe Rogan and he said, you know, Joe Rogan asked him, he's like, you know, how did we get to this point? And he's like, well, you have politicians and you have the elitist, you know, in the dark shadows that are slowly moving the goalposts. You know, they move it just barely enough to where we start to protest and then they stop. And then they move it again where we start to protest and then they stop. And before we know it, we look up and we're a hundred miles away from where we started, you know, and, and we, we willingly gave away our freedom of speech, you know, to protect people, you know, and to get rid of disinformation. It's like, well, who's the one that's deciding what's disinformation? Right. You know, and it's like, well. It's the ones that control the power, that control the money, you know? And then if you were on a global basic income and you have federally funded healthcare, you're not going to speak out anymore. You're going to be willing to give away those rights because you want that check to keep coming. And that's what this, for me, this is what I believe, that that's what this COVID test run was and stimulus packages and shutting down our economy. Trump had no choice. There was no choice in that situation. Nobody had a choice because we had no idea what this virus was going to do. But it was a test run for them to see that, hey, we can print all this money. We can give it to the people. And then they're just going to give it right back to us in inflation. Yep. And crash everything around it and then pick everything up pennies to on the dollar. Yep. Right. Exactly. And then that's just it. So, you know, if they were, if they crash the economy, then they're going to be able to rebuild it into their view of what the economy should look like. And if you crash something and you rebuild it, that means that the laws that were in place, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, those those were in the past. That was for the old economy. This is the new one. This is the new shiny one, the global digital currency economy. But if you want a piece of this, you got to be willing to give this up. So they're going to rewrite the new economy or the new world order and their vision with their laws, their form of the Constitution, you know, and the fact that federal dollars are sneaking their way into everything 
you're going to lose those rights or you're going to lose your money and your livelihood. And that brings up a good point because if everything is being bought up, like let's say the housing market right now, you have Blackstone buying up all the houses everywhere, you know, at three times the market value of what they are, which out of range for a person like me, I don't have the money to compete with the hedge fund. And uh, totally not because they're paying cash. So guess what? If things go the way that the World Economic Forum Great Reset says that you will own nothing and you will love it, they don't have Mm -hmm. to tear apart the Constitution to get rid of your guns. And part of the rental agreement, the lease agreement says you can't have firearms in here. So it's not, you know, we're not taking them away from you. You just can't have them if you plan to live in a house because we own them. Exactly. So. Oh, yeah. It's just like how they try to ban magazine capacity. Oh, dude, that's so crazy. It's just, I know, it's just chipping away at it. It's moving the goalposts, you know, and they're getting closer and closer to their end zone before it's just that outcome, and that's what it's going to be, you know. And I I really hope that we take back the House and the Senate in the midterms, man, but the, the problem is is that you've got rhinos on the other side that are just as corrupt and want power just like everyone else dude it's hard to it's hard to know who to trust these days well you're you're absolutely right i mean i i was a sucker for a little bit uh dan crenshaw even fooled me man oh totally dude he he is such a freaking turncoat i mean but you know this is obviously this guy has been groomed to go into politics and so he's actually he's sponsored by the world economic forum no shit Yep. If you do enough digging, you'll find it. Okay. Well, I I was just talking about how he voted for red flag laws, dude. I was like, holy shit, man. No, dude, I you're did not know that. you're supposed to be the badass Navy SEAL standing up for American rights, and you're saying, hey, I want red flag laws. Yeah, dude, that guy did that, man. And so I lost total respect for him. I was like, dude, I don't disrespect your service as a Navy SEAL. But I sure. do not agree with your politics. Absolutely. I mean, you fought for those rights. You know, you you went overseas and did your thing for those rights. Yeah, but sometimes you know that uh, that pocketbook being filled with money means more yeah. to a person than something else. It is. There's it a is. lot of a lot of people that are going into politics just to make money. That's yeah. and that's the problem with it nowadays, man. It's I'm going to go here. I make all these promises to get to my point. And the minute they get in, they realize you can either play ball and put money in your pocket or you could be ousted out and end up getting dragged through the mud and not have a single dime to show for it. Exactly. They they cancel you. You know, and that's, I would say that's probably the, the one of the greatest things about going independent and being self-employed. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's. It's kind of unique, man. And, you know, I'm at a point right now where I do kind of have to play the game because sure. of where I work at and stuff like that. And man, who doesn't, you know, I mean, it, it's still, it's still a game that has to be played, you know, and then like we, we talked before off air, you know, when, when I was telling you that I'm looking to go into uh, EMT, you know, working with all care medical, it was, it was working with hospice patients and I was a, a medical technician then. You know, and it's just something that I'm looking to get back into. Plus, if the bombs start dropping, you know, having medical training, 
is going to put me at the top of the list of the ship. Speaking of if, you know, things happen, like let's say a bad natural disaster like the tornadoes that were up here in the midwest or yeah emergency preparedness man and having those skill sets the you know the trauma kit all that stuff is good to have man so we we definitely upgraded this year you know with with and and you know honestly coming from the the retail and the grocery industry i really see a food crisis heading our way um, you know, and, and I've been following some people that have kind of been throwing theories out there. You know, you've got China that's hoarding uh, rice and grains. We're in a fertilizer shortage. So one of the big problems with having a fertilizer shortage is that most of our agricultural is one crop growth. You know, and what that is, is they're literally growing only one crop on the same piece of land and just sucking the land dry. So they have to put in tons and tons of fertilizer to get these plants to grow. Well, if we have fertilizer issues, that means that that crop is not going to produce what it's supposed to do. So now we're going to see food shortages coming from that. Now, granted, mostly of the the one crop system is grown for, you know, like feeding cattle and, you know, stuff like that. So another issue that we're running into, especially with these mandates, You know, and when I was working for the the grocery store part-time in the springs, we had an issue with finding drivers to get the trucks to the store because there were, there was a lot of companies that were pushing the vaccine. You know, and I remember watching a uh, YouTube video of a congressman, I can't remember who he was, but he was talking to the CEO of the trucking association and they did a survey. And in the survey, it said that 31% of the drivers nationwide said not no, but hell no to the vaccine mandate. And the CEO was like, Senator, I want you to understand this. A 3% loss would be devastating. A 31% loss would be catastrophic. Now, keep in mind. No coming back. Keep in mind that survey was done by the people who actually took the time to do it not everybody was surveyed so the numbers probably on the higher end more towards like 45 to 50 percent i betcha and we're we're 10 we're 10x from what he just said at three (laughs) percent right yeah (laughs) my brother's in the uh, trucking industry he's an over-the-road truck driver and he tells me some interesting stories about things going on over there not only that but the fuel costs that are outrageous i mean it's getting to the point to where our um presidential administration is blaming companies for the inflation going on i was like no buddy you you guys did this you cut the pipeline you stopped us from producing all this stuff we we can't go you can't go cold turkey on it you have to gradually reduce it and now you know we're we're paying the prices at the grocery store man and and at the pump you know and unfortunately you know the inflation is not transitory that stuff is here to stay you know and, and the reason that i believe that is i saw an article in the paper the other day where it said hoppy lobby was a uh, starting wage was going to be 1850 an hour yep that's what okay, it's here so yeah so so for anybody that that has been working you know for a good portion of their life they've always known that their pay never meets cost of living. Cost of living is always higher than their pay. So you have these young uh, generation, you know, 
the whatever millennials that are like, man, I want $20 an hour. Well, that just means the cost of living is going to go up 15% and it's going to stay there. It doesn't mean that you're going to make more and things are going to cost less. That just means that things are going to cost even more than what they did two years ago. Yeah, dude. You know, and then when you're talking, when you're talking about supply chain shortages, that means that supply and demand is going to go through the roof. So now that thing that two years ago cost you 20 bucks, it's now $80. But hey, you're making 20 bucks an hour. So that's good, right? Yeah, we, we put a bandaid on it. And yeah. what I'm kind of worried about that it's going to turn into a situation to where it's like, yeah, you know, what's that place, Venezuela or whatever, yeah. where you go yeah. into the store and Venezuela, Greece, yeah. you know, grocery stores are empty and you're lucky if you get a loaf of bread or whatever for a while. And I'm I'm glad to say that I, I do have, you know, so a food storage, mainly dehydrated, freeze dried, vacuum sealed, all yeah. that jazz, you know, long shelf life. What I've dehydrated and vacuum sealed, I threw oxygen absorbers in it. And, good. and to toot my own horn on the matter, that's insurance that you could eat. So worst right. case, worst case scenario, things don't go bad. I have my camping gear. That's what it'll fall under when I go deer hunting or go camping. I'll throw a couple of bags in there and I got my food for the trip. So it's not going to waste hey, and it's always that's good. important. So for those of you Absolutely. out there, if you don't have it, do it. Never know. It might come in handy. Worst case. Right. Man, I like that. You know, I, I, I think that everybody should have a minimum of three months. I, I know that that's kind of a tall order for a lot of people, you know, but I mean, if, if, if the fires start roaring. I got enough for 24 months for four people. Really? <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> You're just going to have a feast one day. Well, dude, it, the thing is, okay, yeah, granted, it's only me living at this house. Worst case scenario, if there is for some reason something bad that happens, you know, I could go to somebody that's in need and not tell them who I am or where I live at, but, you know, leave it on their doorstep if they need it. That kind sure. of thing. You know, Absolutely, so, man. Community, you know, he heaven forbid, you know, I don't want them to know that I have it because I don't want them coming to my house, right. <laughs> but I can help somebody right. out in need if they needed it. It's really what's going to keep society going if a collapse happens. Yeah, and that's going to lead to a shift, you know, to the, uh, to quote this guy named Jaron Jackson, the Live Local Initiative, meaning that, yeah. like you said, working with your neighbor, that kind of thing, which we lost touch. Yeah. I mean, where I live at right now, on the street where I live at, I only know two of my neighbors. I should know everybody. Yeah. But right. at the same time, they're not willing to get to know me. <laughs> so it True. makes it a little yeah. bit, and you know, it makes it difficult. I'm outside leaving to go somewhere like, hey, how's it going? They just look at me like, like, what the fuck is this guy saying hello to me for? What's wrong with him? Just being nice, you know, man. man. And, and the sad part is, is that COVID conditioned that. You know, so like when I'm down in the springs, nobody, nobody says hi anymore. Everybody's got their mask on and they just stay muzzled up. You know, you don't have those fun conversations with customers or people when you're at the grocery store. And they don't realize yeah, yeah. that the director of the CDC said that masks are useless. I know. That's the funny part. It's like, dude, 
you you do realize the director of the CDC said this, right? And all these top doctors and scientists say that masks are useless. Why are you wearing two? Oh, I, you know <laughs> what? It, you know what it is? It's because it makes them feel superior to somebody else. Look, I'm a good person. I'm wearing a mask. I'm like, yeah. oh, all right. Yeah. Thank you for protecting me. I appreciate it. There was a joke. There was a joke going around that Democrats don't want to remove their masks. It'll make them look like Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's freaking retarded. <laughs> I believe it, though. I believe it. It is, man. But it's sad because, like, you know, back back in the day when when you know we were both at the, the health food store in Farmington, and we would just cut it up with customers, and you would have a good time, and everybody was just sociable, you know. And now it's just like everybody just kind of stays to themselves. Nobody doesn't say anything, you know. Like if. But I remember this one time I was in a grocery store and I passed by this person and I was like, Hey, how's it going? And then they looked at me like, did that person just say something to me? What do I do? How do I respond? You know, and it's like, just be a human. Say, good. How are you? Or, or tell me, Hey, it sucks. I have to wear this, but Hey, I'm out here or something, man. Right. Exactly. It's funny that you said that about the, uh, the mask and labeling people. Cause it's sad that you can more or less tell somebody's political affiliation by a cloth on yeah. your face but not just any Isn't cloth which you know at my work i have to wear a face mask plain and simple sure. nothing fancy you know that way i don't sneeze on somebody or whatever i don't know but <laughs> at the same time then you have these other people that are you know wearing a face mask also and it's all decorated up has all this fancy fancy stuff you know bedazzled or bedazzled. <laughs> <laughs> or you know some type of you know, a uh, logo or affiliation to something on it. That's like, all right, so be it. Instead of telling me, Hey, you believe this, you just rather have it stamped on you. Perfect. Be a walking billboard, but um, yeah. shout out the bedazzle for the ladies out there at where I work at to have them done. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, it's an interesting conversation piece. If somebody's willing to have a conversation with you. Yeah. That's the other thing too, man. Like, all right. Well, man, uh, so shit. Speaking of Speaking of masks, let me tell you this little tidbit real quick. Okay. Um, so me and the wife went and did um, our CPR certification to get re-upped on those. And, um, you know, they have, I don't know if you know this, but they have a new thing where they don't do mouth-to-mouth anymore. It's just all about chest compression. So they don't even give you, you know, the, the face condom anymore? Nope. And you know why? So a, a big, and I don't know if this is just the reason, but this led into it. So the particles of COVID are so small that the face condom would not protect you, but yet a cloth mask will. Wow. That, wow. dude, okay, that the face condom stops other diseases from coming through, prevents you from getting like the herpes and HIV yep. and all that stuff, but it can't stop the COVID virus. <laughs> so we're not even going to do it anymore. Life-sustaining you know, uh, procedures, we're not going to do that part. We're going to cut that part out because they have found with just chest compression, it moves enough blood and enough oxygen in the blood to where it can get, you know, the heart pumping again and all that stuff at the breath. Because the thing is, is when you, when you do breath, 
So we only breathe 21% oxygen. Um, so that means that our when we expel, it's mostly carbon dioxide and waste gas, basically. But if you don't have a person's head at a 30 degree angle, you're just blowing air into the belly. Um, and then if you extend the belly, they're going to throw up on you or aspirate into the lung. So they just said, you know, we're going to do away with that part. And here's a plus, because the condom doesn't protect you from COVID, uh, we're not going to use that. Anymore. Now, so, but this little, this little paper mask does. Now, let, let me just clarify. It's not actually a condom. It's a face ah, shield. <laughs> okay, For those who yeah. don't know what we're talking about, it's a face shield for CPR. Okay, we're it's a one-way breathing apparatus. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Dude, my luck, there's going to be somebody out there, you're using a condom to give mouth-to-mouth? -mouth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you blow up the balloon and you stick it inside. <laughs> Right? Oh my gosh, man! Oh, dude! Oh, brother! This this was, so this fun, was man. fun, man. Um, uh, maybe we could do another show in the future. And uh, oh yeah, Torrance, it's been great having you on the show. Um, let's go ahead and call it a night. This has been the LPR one one three eight project with Lorenzo Rubio, and I'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>